Welcome to Disarming Persuasion, the podcast for sales and business leadership professionals. My name is Dave Rosenberg, and I am the founder and principal at Locked On Leadership, a consulting firm with a mission to replace Thank God It's Friday with Thank God It's Monday. With me is my co-host, a man who can literally teach sales with one hand tied behind his back, Darren Cecil. Darren, what are we going to discuss today? Well, Dave, thanks for asking. We've covered a lot of persuasion topics. We've done a really good job on them. But I think there's something that we have not covered. Whoa, wait, wait a second. I agree we've covered a lot of topics, but when you, when you said but, I mean, that almost sounds like we really didn't do a good job and, 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 and none of that really matters. Well, I agree. Have you seen that ever in, in persuasion for leadership or sales where there's meetings and conversation and then all of a sudden it's a good meeting and then all of a sudden the word but comes out and it changes the entire conversation? Have you ever seen that? Actually, it's funny. I, I see that all the time. In fact, it's one of my least favorite things to observe. You know, people it really comes up a lot in the um, accountability conversation where you know, somebody says, you know, hey, hey, Darren, you've been a great co-host. Um, you you're funny, you're witty. But you, you don't show up on time a lot and. Um, I, I, it's really frustrating because, you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Right. And, you know, if I said, if you and I actually had a conversation like that, what would go through your mind? I suck. Yeah. Even though I started off with all these positive stuff that completely gets wiped out. Why is that? Well, I think sometimes people, sometimes people naturally look for the bad. I think sometimes people hear the last thing and they remember that the most. I also think that the word, but, I mean, if if you look at Merriam-Webster, one of the definitions for but is except for the fact. Right. And so I could say, you're great, you're wonderful. you, You do all these things, except for the fact you don't show up on time. Just to use that as an example. Right. So you're really not great and wonderful. You would be great and wonderful if you showed up on time. Good point. But you're not really great and wonderful. Good point. So how, how does this show up in sales? Well, for example, if someone's talking about the features and benefits of their product, right? My product can do this, this, and that, but it can't do that. It changes the entire conversation. Yeah, I could see that. You know, um, let's say, for example, somebody says, well, Ken, I used to sell phone systems, as you are well aware, when we first met. And, you know, can, can the phone uh, automatically send it to voicemail when I'm in a meeting without me having to do anything? I said, well, I could send it to voicemail. And certainly I could, I, I, you can put your phone in do not disturb. Or if you're on your phone, you can, it'll absolutely go to voicemail. But if you're in a meeting, it's not going to know that. So it won't do that automatically. And I could see where a listener hearing that would then only focus on the negative piece of that. 
Exactly. Huh. So that's an interesting dilemma. What do we do about that? Well, I think the one thing you can do is look at substituting the word but for another word. And what would that be? And I think you guessed it. And what do you mean by that? Well, if there's three items, you can talk about it does this, this does this, and it may not do that. Let's explain how this would work. So that becomes inclusive. So by saying and, we're not excluding the first part of that conversation. We're simply saying we're, we're, we're holding almost two opposing concepts. It can do these things and it can't do these other things. And, and they're not mutually exclusive. So but makes things exclusive. It's either good or it's bad, but it's not both. Right. And allows you to have both the good and the bad simultaneously. Exactly. Well, that's powerful. I mean, I'm thinking about, you know, the other day I had a problem with my, uh, my CRM, my, my contact relationship management software. It's cloud-based, so I have no control over that. And when I went to log on, and my life is in that thing, by the way, my business life. I, 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 after this happened, I was like, oh, my God, what happens if this fails again? And I took a look and I have over 380 future events planned going out two years. Okay. These are, you know, uh, contacts that I want to make that somebody said, hey, come, you know, give me a call in six months, give me a call in eight months, whatever it might be. Right. And, and, and I live my life off this thing. And if it died on me, like it did the other day, it seriously would probably set me back 18 months in marketing efforts because I'd have to recreate a lot of stuff. A lot of things would just be lost and I would just be starting from scratch. Whereas, you know, now I have that ability to, to say, do you remember seven months ago, we had a conversation about yada, 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 yada. Right. And that's, that's really powerful from a sales perspective, from a marketing perspective. Um, and, and frankly, if I had team members currently, which I've had in the past, but I don't have now, even, you know, having notes like that about team members would be powerful. And I'd have lost all that. And it was really scary. And it was really beneficial because it did get back up fairly quickly. And it enabled me to see a weakness in my processes. So it, you know, there's a big difference between that and saying it was really scary, but it was beneficial. Because right. you don't acknowledge the scariness, which you need to know. Otherwise, you might blow it off and go like, oh, okay, well, I found this weakness. But you need to hold on to the, the emotion of scariness in this particular case to motivate me to fix the problem. What was the problem? Well, the problem for me is so I, I don't know what their problem is because why it happened because I don't have insight into that. The problem for me is I don't have a backup system when that for when that happens again and so you know i i don't have a solution yet but i'm actively working on it it may be something as simple as you know a weekly download of of uh the files so that i can um or, or print out of my calendar or a report or something I, th I think probably a report of my future events 
So mm-hmm. I at least can stay on top of things for a period of time until things get up and running again. And that's something I, I almost said, but that's something I haven't done, but, and that's something I need to get done. Mm-hmm. That's a great example. Yeah. Where in your life does, can you, can you substitute and with, but. But with an end or and with but? You're right. I got it backwards. How about substituting and for but? I can give you an example of a training I did years ago. Please do. So I'm doing this work for for Toyota. It's a corporate gig. And one of the things we're talking about is supervising people and understanding people. And we're talking about evaluations and how some people are not good at that evaluation process. And so what they would do is they would sit down, they would wait until when they had to have a meeting and they would say, you're really good at this, that, but you sucked at this. And so they couldn't understand why people that wasn't changing behavior. And they couldn't understand the reason why we were brought in because they couldn't hold their people accountable and they weren't coaching and developing their people. And so we talked about substituting the word and, and the, and the activity was, you said a statement, I would repeat that statement, I would refute that statement, and we would go on. And anytime someone said, but, or ya yeah, but, or however, or any but derivative, the other person was supposed to look at that person, point at them, and yell, you said but, smile and continue. In a room of 30 people, people then stopped yelling, you said but. It was pretty entertaining. And so then we processed the activity. And during the processing stage, we talked about the importance of not using the word but and how it changes the entire meaning of what you said previously, just what you brought up before. And so someone said, we should never use but. And I said, we should wipe that clean. But that went over big. It really did. So, so it was a big, that was a big but. It was a big but, yes. And then I had to do one more, right? Because I figured I'm on a roll. And I said, your problems will be behind you if you do that. <sighs> yeah. So that's an example of how I've done that. And then meeting with my children as well. Hold on, hold, hold on. I, I, I'm just wondering on that story, did that crack them up? I think it did, actually. Yeah, people are groaning right now. Oh, I'm sure they are. And well, they should be. Well, because right? I mean, let's be candid. This is the butt of jokes. So, you know. There can be punishment for sure. <laughs> yeah. Well, so your children, let's just go there. It's the same thing with children, right? You can talk about all the good things that they do. And if you leave it with the word but, that's all they remember. Or, and, and to your point earlier, you kind of glossed over this, but I think this is powerful and important. The derivatives, however, you know, no matter how you say it, however, except for, right, which is the, the you know, the, all those things negate, but and includes. And it's interesting. So during my accountability academy, this is one of the topics we talk about because we're, how do you create a culture of accountability? How do you, people are trying to get their team to be accountable? They want to transform their team into high performers. That requires accountability, self-accountability. 
And this is absolutely one of the topics we, we spend a lot of time on is having that, what, what I call a um, great brain just went blank on me, well, a counseling session, right? Mm-hmm. Not, or, you know, you could call it an accountability session. I prefer counseling right? because the result, you know, inferred when we counsel somebody is an improvement when accountability is often held more closely to punishment. Yep. Because we think we you know if we hold somebody accountable, we have to punish them. And, and the idea here is not to punish. Sometimes there is consequences depending on, you know, what the history is. And that doesn't mean we don't counsel them how to avoid that in the future. So how do you hold an act? A counseling session so that somebody comes out with a higher probability of rectifying the behaviors and feeling good about themselves as opposed to feeling beat down upon and feeling like there's why should I even bother? They don't respect me. We want them to feel respected and cared for. And and is exactly how you do that. Just by saying the word and that's your big takeaway so far. Yes. You know, as you pointed out, the, you know, one of the things you hear a lot is, you know, make, lift people up, you know, and and let them know where they're good before you let them know where they're bad. And so what people say is, you know, you're really good. You know, you show up on time, you're a hard worker, you're conscientious, you care, but your customer service skills really need some help there. You're not very empathetic. Great. And as soon as you do that, all that other stuff goes out the window and the problem I have with that is if I am going to give you accolades in the future, they're going to fall off flat. They're going to fall on deaf ears. If, in, if, if at some point I'm like, you know, I really appreciate you showing up on time. Let's just use that as an example. And in, in your mind, you're going, yeah, but you think my, my, my customer service sucks. Right. It, it's, it's sports psychology. It, it really is the and versus the but. If on the other hand, I say you show up on time, you're conscientious, you're a hard worker, and we need to work on your empathy for your customer service skills. Mm-hmm. That's a completely different reframe. Mm-hmm. Well, and using that word again, tonality is really important, right? So if you're talking to someone, tonality is what 38% of the impact of a message. So even if you substitute word but for and, and you go and... It still sounds like a but. And so tonality is really important when you're having conversations like this, counseling yeah. sessions and such. Absolutely. In fact, as you as you, you well know, uh, the word itself is worth 7% of the communication. You know? so, so what's your body language look like during that conversation? Do you, do you look like you're pissed off? Do you look like, you know, I can't believe I'm wasting my time with this person? Or does your body language convey, I care about you. I want you to succeed. I'm here on your side. And does your tone also reflect that? That's exactly right. And the other thing is, well, what other suggestions do you have that you might be able to think of besides the word and if you have one? You know, I, candidly, I, I just love the word and. I, it, it's, it's, and I almost hate to use the next word I'm going to use. It's inclusive. Um, you know, that's, that's what and means. So, you know, and versus or, right. And as, is, is both conditions exist. 
Right. And, a lot, and, and a lot of times, you know, we can hold as leaders, we need to be able to hold the idea that there is good and bad in everything, not in everything, but in, in there are situations that contain both good and bad. Right. And, and allows us to do that. You know, um, I'm afraid of the current economic in, in environment. And I think there's opportunities here for us as well. That's just an example. I'm not saying that's the case right now, but you know, you can be afraid of something that's going on and recognize that that also is an opportunity. And that gives you the ability to focus on the opportunity without ignoring, right? Because the other thing is you might go, well, it is a challenging economic uh, uh, environment, but I think there's an opportunity here, which on its surface may sound positive. Mm -hmm. But if we ignore the challenging economic environment and exclude that as we're looking at the opportunity, we may find ourselves um, in a, you know, not seeing some bad things come down the road, but if we hold them both simultaneously, we could be on the lookout for danger at the same time. We're, we're we're looking for a place where we can capitalize as well. That makes, that makes total sense. So you're holding them, so they can be, it's both and. Correct. Correct. They're not exclusive. It's not one or the other. It's both. That makes life simple. Why do people have challenges with this, do you think? That's a great question. I think the reason, candidly, is we don't talk about it this way. I mean, it, it's hard to do that. You know, we, we typically, you know, people mentally, we we focus on one thing at a time. Right. So, so it's a challenge, I think, to hold on to the fact that we could have both positive and negative. Right? The, the Asians, you know, they have no less of an issue with this. The, the whole concept of yin yang is just that. Right. You have the, you know, if you're not familiar and I think most people are familiar with the yin yang uh, symbol. Right. It's it's a circle that is uh, got um, two sides, a dark and a light or black and a white, but in the heart of the black is white and the heart of the white is black because all things contain their opposite and you can actually hold simultaneously opposing viewpoints. That makes a lot of sense. And have you had a hard time working with leaders and supervisors on embracing this concept? Yeah, it, it can be a it can be a struggle. The, one of the biggest areas I think where this is a challenge, and I suspect it's also a challenge on the sales side, is where people think that they have the only right way. Mm. Right, and what happens is people see somebody else do something in a different fashion and think that's not the way I would do it, and so they end up becoming micromanagers if they can accept the fact that their right way is right and a completely different way is also right. That allows them to free up their time and space because they, they don't have to deal with quote, correcting somebody who's doing it wrong when it reality is they're just doing it a different right way. And now they could focus on other aspects of their business, such as growing it, developing people, whatever that might be. What takeaway suggestions would you have for our listeners? It's a simple one. Um, and simultaneously going to be incredibly difficult. And that is simply 
when you find yourself, you starting to say, but, or however, you stop yourself and just fill in the word and. If you start doing that, you will find very quickly that your mindset will change. The energy around whatever you're saying, by that I mean how you feel about it emotionally, right, will change. It goes from a, well, this stuff is really good, but this sucks, to this stuff is really good and we need to work on this, right? Which becomes, it's a, it's a positive facing thing instead of this sucks. And we get what we think about the most. So the more we can think positively about things, the more we're going to get positive results. What about you? I would echo the same thing. Um, a lot of times people, when they have conversations, well, the question is people having conversations to prove to be right or they having conversations to to being inclusive to try to figure out solutions right and so if they're having conversations to prove to be right they're going to go with that but derivative all day long if they're having conversations to be inclusive so they can figure things out together and work on things as a problem solving activity they're going to be more willing to talk about the and yeah I- I agree with that. And I would modify it a little bit because I don't think the purpose of the conversation should be to be inclusive because that will drive where we had the conversation. If in fact, the purpose of the conversation is to come up with a valid solution or a common viewpoint, right? Since we're talking about persuasion, mm-hmm. And we allow ourselves to be inclusive in that conversation as a, as a tactic, right? And, and I don't mean as a manipulation, but as a methodology to to achieve that goal. Then we're better. We're probably going to find a better solution than one we could come up with ourselves. Any other takeaway information you'd like to share? No, I think if if our listeners um, can. Uh, just start substituting and for but. What I'd love to have is, you know, give us some examples of how that's reframed you. Send send us an email, put some comments down. Let us know how substituting but with the word and has helped you reframe some of your challenging conversations, whether it's internal or external. Internal, I mean, within your own mind or external as you're talking with other people. I love that idea. And can you share just a little bit about lockdown leadership for the next one? I'm not sure what you're asking. Who are you, who we are or. No, you do a program like a three day ah. program. Oh, you're talking about my accountability Academy. Ab- absolutely. You know, one of the big challenges that a lot of people have, a lot of leaders have is how to transform their teams or how to create an environment of accountability. There's three accountabilities and, you know, we need to be accountable to ourselves. We need to be accountable to our team members and we need to be accountable to our mission. And we need to hold all three of those simultaneously, not to exclusion of one or the other. Mm-hmm. Well, we spent three days in, a, in an intensive deep dive and you'll come out understanding and knowing exactly what you need to do to transform your team into one that is accountable, that it has what I call absolute accountability. 
which is having all of that. And included as part of that, of course, is how do I have these difficult conversations? That's just one aspect. If you're, if you're interested in more, learning more, just reach out and contact me, Dave at LockedOnLeadership.com, or just schedule a, a uh, you know, what I call a command briefing. We'll get on the phone for a half hour and explore you know, what your challenges are. I promise you will walk away from that conversation with something positive that you can implement right away uh, as a result of that. And there's no charge for that. Simply go to meetwith.lockedonleadership.com. That's great. I appreciate you asking, Darren. Anything from you? Not at this time. Just uh, just been dealing with some health stuff, and I'll share more uh, next time. All right. Well, until next week, Darren, thank you. Thank you, sir. That concludes another episode of Disarming Persuasion. My name's Dave Rosenberg. And this is Darren Cecil. Visit our websites at LockedOnLeadership.com or DarrenCecil.com. Follow us on social media. You can find the links in the show notes. Remember, if they fail to make a decision, you failed to disarm them.